This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Hello and welcome to episode 134 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from WashedUpEmo.com. Today, welcome Nathan Hardy from the band Microwave. Microwave just finished up a little run with Jimmy Eat World and the Hotelier, and it was high time to get Nathan to chat. We talk a lot about being labeled emo, his struggle and acceptance of growing out of the Mormon church, being homeless for a time, and feeling like a big kid when everyone else moves on and, in quotes, grows up. I remind you that Microwave is a horrible band name for SEO. And Nathan searches his band name on Google for the first time. He also goes in depth on what the next album will be about. And the DIY spirit in this band is alive and well. So if you're not familiar with them, check them out and then dive into this interview. If you are up for keeping this podcast alive, it'd be awesome if you head on over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash washed up email to support. Any amount will be awesome. It all goes to everything that involves this podcast and make it happen. This is episode 134 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Nathan Hardy from Microwave. So first off, how did the Jimmy World shows go? Probably all of our favorite tour that we've we've done up to now. I mean, they're they're just like a great band that is a band that we've all loved for a long time. But then also, uh, there was like tons of food in the green room every day, and there's people that loaded in our gear every day. It was like we haven't done a tour that there was so much uh, like accommodations, and and the drives weren't. We're we're usually real sh- we're like not too long. They 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 definitely know how to how to book a tour and stuff now. They're uh, they're pros. <laughs> Red. They're for sure like one of the largest influences. I mean I mean not just for us but for like the other bands that have influenced us too. <laughs> like like I've 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 heard a ton of people like Under Oath and As Cities Burn and. Uh, before the March of Flames and stuff, all all make a reference to having having looked Jimmy World, and and like yeah, I I feel like any any band after like two thousand one or two and that did rock <laughs> has some Jimmy World influence. They they just kind of added something to uh add something to the music world for sure. Last two nights especially we we chilled with them more there, there's like a ping pong table at the at, at a Kane's ballroom in Tulsa Oklahoma and they were all they were all pretty good at ping pong <laughs> and uh it was like a shared green room space and stuff so we we chose a little more there and at Stubbs in Austin has a really cool like green room area where there's these trailers circled around outside in the back so, so there's like a kind of like fire pit area it's pretty cool Red. <laughs> but yeah they're, they're all way way cool and down to earth and normal dudes my my uh um zach actually a, a few of them went to high school with my cousin because my dad's from uh from Tempe, arizona i think they're from mesa and uh i have like my my dad has a big mormon family with like 
uh, eight brothers and sisters, and they're all in Arizona. Or not all of them. There's some in California and stuff. But uh, but yeah, they all grew up there. So they, uh, it, it was weird because Zach came up while we were in St. St. Louis and was like, "Hey, I just talk to your cousin. <laughs> I went to high school with your cousin." I was like, "Oh, what? Wow, dude! Small yeah. worlds." <laughs> yeah, I have like thirty something cousins. <laughs> Holy shit! <clears throat> Yeah, it's a big Mormon family. Wow. <laughs> well, that, um, I'm glad that worked out. I'm glad. And then you were, did you chill with the hotelier too? Yeah, they were way cool. They're, 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 no, they're one of them. Yeah, they're, they're one of the coolest fans we toured with too. We hit it off with them too. Right. They're, they're in a lot of the same music and everything. They, they love skateboarding. I guess we're not really big, uh, we don't skateboard as much anymore, but they were just, chill dudes nice. it's fun rad yeah so you're having fun yeah that was, it was it was for it was so fun it was like the least like stressful tour there wasn't like things going wrong we we like had a good response that did well in merch and everything it was a uh, i feel like most most of those large tours too um if you're opening the show then it's for sure everyone i mean it still was for, for, for sure everyone's there to see like the headlining band but we usually like or you don't like sell as much stuff and everything because it's like people are hearing you for the first time and they didn't like come already knowing your stuff and everything but this was like there was actually like a fair amount of people i mean there wasn't it wasn't like people going wild or anything but (laughs) there there was a fair amount of people that actually knew who we were and stuff and i I think it was yeah it, it, it it fit enough with jimmy world to where it was like their their fans I found it out from from Aaron from Bliss, because like Nick Nick uh, showed us the offer and stuff, our manager, and 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 I was like, didn't didn't Tom help arrange this or whatever? And he was like, uh, yeah, we should send him a care back. <laughs> I was like, yeah, definitely. But yeah, Aaron, Aaron was saying that uh, like he he, he 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 hit me up like the night before or whatever. And was like, I think you're gonna get an offer for Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> oh, that's oh right, because I was talking to him around that same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it like? What was it? Um, you know, like you talk, you mentioned Bliss, which is from Atlanta. I actually used to play in Bliss too for the no while shit. They, yeah, yeah. I was in the band when we, when we did the EP, but not for the most recent full length. But uh, oh, that's but so I, stupid. I'm sorry, I forgot that. Actually, yeah, there are all of us really are like close friends, but uh, like I. I've known Aaron for like eight years. I don't know how long, <laughs> but That's I used to cool. work with him at a place called Drew House and Little Five Points and in the kitchen and stuff. And uh, I've I've just yeah, but it is it is cool. Atlanta has like a small enough scene that uh, everyone <clears throat> there's a group of probably like one hundred to two hundred people that just all know who each other are from shows. Like not not friends per se, but like acquaintances. I mean, like not like friends that hang out regularly, but you see each other at shows and there's a lot of people to catch up with or whatever. But, uh, and, 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 and there's a lot of the same people that go to like, like people that go to hardcore shows and stoner metal shows and stuff are the same people that'll come out for indie rock, you know, rock shows and stuff. So you, so there's just like a, it's just like a, yeah, I love Atlanta for that. It's a, it's a cool sort of small, small world and there's a lot of really for like this size of city that Atlanta is which it's not a small city but it's not like New York or Los Angeles or something but there's like a I feel like there's like a there's a lot of great bands (laughs) from Atlanta like for how many people are here and stuff isn't it more manageable too like you've got this scene and it doesn't feel overwhelming you can actually have a practice space you can you know there's like a little bit things make it easier a little bit yeah, yeah. There, there was a yeah. There, there was like a rehearsal studio up to a few years ago called the uh, Thunderbox that like Oh Brother practiced at, and uh, it, it was owned by one of the dudes from Black Lips. And Mastodon had like a huge room there and stuff. But there was like a yeah, and and there was there's another one called Vision Studios that's like a little north. And now uh, there's Earth Shaking Music opened one, and stuff. the Thunderbox actually closed down. But uh, that that sucked really bad when that happened. But 
it's a uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a, it's a small world for for sure. And then you know, I know that you've mentioned a lot of interviews and around the last couple records and the EPs about you know growing up in the in the Mormon Church and then leaving and the kind of these records or you figuring this out. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what what I think. I'm interested in is sort of the the music part of this of you know when when you were in the, were you allowed to listen to other like music outside of like cuz I I went to school in the south I went to school in North Carolina and there were kids that I knew that grew up in a Christian household and they could only get Tooth and Nail records records like they could only oh, get yeah. it if it was at the Christian bookstore and they were like once they hit college they were like hanging out with me at the radio station because I had all the records and so was that something or were you able to listen to whatever you wanted I uh I mean but both of my parents uh worked growing up so I was they for sure didn't want me to like if I I would just kind of like hide it from them but it wasn't it wasn't very difficult to hide it from them. Also, like I, I've, uh, I've always been a uh, someone who's slept on friends' couches <laughs> since I was like twelve. So it wasn't even home as as much. It was all about like skateboarding and went to just slept on. But yeah, so so a lot of my friends got me into most of these. They listened to and stuff. But there was for sure in in Georgia in the two thousands. There was like most of the most of the places that bands could play was like a was like a church youth spot or whatever. Like I remember in Marietta, Georgia, there was like the Triangle Venue and the Vineyard and uh, and all these places. And it was like it, I remember like the the band that I played in high school. Um, we we were actually talking about like making a song that had Christian themes just so we could get shows <laughs> because it was so prevalent. Like those bands, like. Uh, the Cavaliers, Prada, and Under Oath, and and stuff, where it would like come and play like church and sponsored or endorsed things or whatever. As cities were, and there was so many like that. That scene sort of like dominated work tour for for a few years. I feel like there was a lot of Christian bands, but but uh, so so I have I have friends also that that grew up and like and their 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 parents would would only let them listen to those bands and stuff like tooth and nail and stuff but uh i i sort of i uh evaded it <laughs> <laughs> and then what about what about punk and diy connected with you i think i went to the 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 first time i went to a hardcore show was uh tra- like trapped under ice and rain supreme it was probably like 2008 or something, and I was just like, "Damn!" Like I, I've, I've been to like a the metalcore shows and stuff with like more like scene bands and everything, and 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 I was like, uh, I had mossed there, or whatever, and then I went to a hardcore show. It was like, "Damn, this is like a whole other like spectrum of violence." <laughs> I was scared to go in anywhere because this, these guys were big and uh, intimidating. And we're really, really whacking each other. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. There, 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 there's something that's like inherently sort of like uh, instinctually exciting about uh, something that's like so high energy that you uh, that you act that way at shows and stuff. And, and, and a lot of our like uh, like at our sh- shows in Atlanta, especially like the first two years that we were a band, it was all people that were in the hardcore scene that would come out to shows like our, our, I can't talk, our uh, friends and everything. And and the shows would, would get like wild, like people would crowd surf and, and uh, dog pile kind of stuff and everything. And it's just like really fun to have that dynamic. I don't know. It's like a, <laughs> it, I feel like it appeals to whatever part of you wants to like jump on your bed when you're four years old and listen to Limp Bizkit break stuff and, throw darts into the wall or whatever. <laughs> no, that's true. Also, it's too... It's one of those, like, instinctual things. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, your first show was, like, 2008 when, like, scene was pretty big. And, you know, that yeah. sort of, you know, the hair in the face and the and the two things that's interesting about it is that you saw the difference. You saw the difference from a scene show and a hardcore show. Yeah. 
and I think you're maybe yes, people are there for the music, but it is a scene, and you're it, that's a that's a part of it. And I feel like the hardcore scene, yes, there are people that are cared about what they look like, but overall, that sort of sense of it felt more real because it was like more like blue collar and stuff like that. The the more like scene oriented stuff was was were really like artsy people, and uh, I don't know, it, there, there was something that was inherently because you were like separating yourself from people in high school and stuff by like dressing a certain way and it was really sort of like flamboyant and stuff and then the hardcore scene was more like uh we're just some just some uh guys hanging out (laughs) it wasn't like there wasn't as eccentric of a fashion thing things changed so so fast like like my like i was always someone who who learned about music from my friends and a lot of the friends that like showed me music would be like die hard into something for like a year or two. And then like after a year or two, they'd be like, Oh, I don't listen to that anymore. Like they would like shun that. <laughs> I felt like once I like, once I like got into things, like my, my friends would move on to a new thing. Like it was like, uh, I was in middle school and it's like, uh, taking back Sunday and AFI and stuff. And then I get to like freshman year of high school and it's like the, uh, follow Troy and every time I die and, and it's like more like heavy bands that scream and stuff and then after after a little bit it's uh, the, the number 12 looks like you and daughters and stuff and more like grindcore influence stuff and then people moved on to hardcore and it was like the the, the king for a while <laughs> like it was like I, I think probably mostly because it had such a strong like like <laughs> community feel or whatever but but it was like it like things had changed so fast that it was it was almost like it was the same people that got into everything i mean in general like the the, the amount of people that are into like guitar based music and and uh like relative to how many people there are into other styles of music and stuff like hip-hop and edm kind of stuff and everything is like pretty small so it's, it's weird that people sort of sub classify themselves down so much because there's like it really is kind of most of the same people even like pop punk and, totally. and stuff like a lot of people that it like like a lot of people listen to a lot of different things in the realm of guitar music it, like even though it feels really sort of like set like a I don't know. Yeah. But also like the shows, yeah, like yeah. it would be, you would go to a show and it would be the hardcore band, the singer songwriter, the indie band, the punk band, and it all in the same bill. And I think around 08, especially 07, uh, 08, it was like these package tours and it, they all sounded the same. Like a lot of, yeah. like they were really trying to like mass market it. And I just think it for you guys to kind of turn and, and it was funny. You say like your friends were in those bands and then they kind of move on. It was crazy. Like I worked that fall of Troy and it was crazy for like six months. Like that was it. That's all anyone you know wanted to sound like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you, I mean, you, you also talk, I mean, in another interview, you, you talked about sort of music going in circles and I mean, I think you're right about guitar based music. Everyone's sort of, you know, you kind of classify it. Um, and when you're, when you're constructing songs for microwave with the band, are you thinking about that? Are you thinking about, you know, you, you're into neurosis, but you're also into Manchester orchestra, but you're also into TBS. Like, or is there any, is it, do you, do you think it's subconscious when you're all together? I, uh, I I try to think about it, and I sort of, I guess, like, subconsciously in a broad sense do think about it, but each time I've tried to sort of, like, sculpt what what direction of music I wanted to write or whatever, it just doesn't really work. <laughs> like, I feel like whatever comes is what you have to write. I would love to uh, be, be able to be more, like, purposeful with the, with the direction stuff, but it's like uh, you, you try and write, like, one type of song and then you just you just don't think of lyrics for it because like the the sound of or like the feel of the song isn't something that's like pulling something out of you and it's like well damn i just have to <laughs> write whatever like it inspires me to think of the right words or whatever but uh but i i, I do in a, like I, I think i do have something in a in a sort of uh, i don't know if subconscious is the right word because i'm conscious of it but uh 
Um, there, like a, a lot of that music in, in the 2000s, I feel like should have been a lot bigger than it was. And, and, and I'm like, I, I, I would hope that people would, would, uh, hear, hear the influence of that and, uh, sort of make more bands that sound like that. Like, as Cities Burn is a really big one for me. That band was like, was like so ridiculously good. And like, at their at their like peak moment, they were barely larger than like we we are now and stuff or whatever. They were like they they it should have been so much more. And like and other bands like the day before the March of Flames and Heavy Heavy Lolo and Daughters and stuff too. I I really loved those bands and I'm like I wish like there's a, there's a lot of people that are turned off by like screaming and music and stuff and it's like just like hard for them to digest and everything and I. I I think there's there's a part of me that's like, man, these people have to realize that there's like a place they can they can hear this and not just like turn off their ears because they're like, you, she's screaming or whatever. But uh, I mean, it, that <laughs> last, I mean, the art art damage record, which I had thankfully the I got to work with Fear, Bar, Fear Before the March of Flames, like that record had like in pretty much a single where he was singing. Um, and it mm-hmm. was fucking weird and it was like a little, you know, it was harder, but it definitely, you know, it was a single, we were, you know, that was said at the label, uh, when I was at EVR, yeah. but like, but those guys, I think again, were, it was just, I don't, I'm not going to say smarter. It just, it wasn't what it, it just, I feel that same way about a lot of bands during that era. It's like, why, I mean, it always happens, but then I'm like, but this band is better. This band has more, it's deeper and I think sometimes people just want the fucking hook. Yeah, they they don't like to be challenged by what they listen to or whatnot. But there's like like they they pushed forward. Like if people loved Nirvana, then I don't understand how all those people didn't uh <laughs> didn't hear that same sort of like energy that like in those other bands. There was this like there's so much. There's obviously so much like uh, Blood Brothers too. They're, mm-hmm. Like the songwriting is so good and it's so unique, and like the lyrics are like are great. Like probably the better lyrics than Nirvana. Even they they, they just have like a ton of just great great songs. And uh, it's like how how come the same people that liked Nirvana, which was like because they sell like 24 million copies of the record and stuff, like there's not even like there's not even more than like 200 people at a show for other bands. Like, yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's, but it's a fun way to like, that's when I know I'm kind of like, I'm doing the right thing. And I don't know if that's the DIY. I don't know if that's the, the thought about music and helping people here, but it's like, it's one thing if that thing's really popular and you're right. It's like, you hear that. Why didn't you hear that same thing in this? And is it the hook? Is it the singing? Is it the marketing? Is it the artwork? Um, is yeah. whatever's hot at the same, that's the same time. Like what's the, what's the it thing? Um, it must, I mean, yeah, I, it must I be hard to fucking get into was, music. Sorry. <laughs> I, I feel like a big part of it was, was how they sang with, cause like my, my older brother, my older brother was into like he stopped tr- like listening to new bands around like Disturbed and Nickelback and Seether and stuff. And I would play like brand new and everything, and even even brand new, which I feel like is less this way than some of the other bands like AFI and stuff. He, he would be like, "Why is he singing all whiny, like uh, all girly and stuff?" And I feel like a lot of people when they hear rock like to picture like a masculine. And I feel like that that that's part of what happened when like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and those bands like blew up and stuff is that like in like the the nineteen seventies and stuff with like Led Zeppelin and the Eagles and everything there was like this like uh, there was still this like the masculinity in in the rock music and stuff that made it appeal in some type of way like uh, I don't know and and then in the eighties it like it like the David Bowie and all this stuff is sort of like it, it became more of like an artsy thing and I can see the same thing happening He's like oh I don't like all this why is he why is he singing like that kind of thing and I feel like the same kind of thing happened in the 2000s is that people people uh, were sort of I don't know it, it was more like artsy driven or whatever to where people would be more like flamboyant and sing more 
don't know. Yeah. Not as like masculine or whatever. And, and, and it, it, it like, it didn't appeal to some of those people, but, but like it should have, like there's, it's not inherently like, I don't know. <laughs> it's not like they're, I don't know. Yeah. It should have appealed in my opinion, but they, but it, it hasn't. I feel like, but I, I feel like there'll be something. Cause I mean, Nirvana and those bands were essentially, you know, uh, influenced by, influenced by a lot of those bands in the eighties that, that didn't quite, <clears throat> didn't quite break through that, like accessibility barrier or whatever, like black flag and, and whatnot. Uh, and, and, and they took that sound and then they, they put back in it what, what the masses were wanting to hear, which was like this, this sort of like masculine sounding thing or whatever with rock music. I don't know. But yeah, I think no, I think you're right, and then it's 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 always the you know the everyone listened to the Get Up Kids, and then they just made it hookier or whatever the band is. There's a answer to that, and that's always going to happen. But I think the the big overreaching thing that we haven't mentioned, and it's the name of the podcast, is emo. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you when that was put on your tag? Like it, obviously the emo revival, and I wanted to ask a couple things like the emo tag itself. What's been good and bad about it? And then secondly, when you talk to other bands about it and their, like, what are their thoughts? What are their feelings about it? Like bands of your kind of time, time era. Yeah. I don't, uh, it's so, it's so crazy because there's been so much like confusion about like, uh, what, what like real, real, uh, you know, music would be. I don't even know if, if we would like count as real (laughs) <laughs> it's like a real emo. I guess so because it's like emotive music and stuff. And, and we for sure have influences of that. When we first started as a band, every, like everyone in our friend group was all about like discussing, being like, "Oh, that's not a real emo band." Everyone was really into like Page Ninety Nine and Sasha and these like Scrams bands, and they're like, "That's not screamo." Like Scrams is is uh, <laughs> is this kind of thing, and I, it was just like a headache for me. I was like, "Oh man, I I can't." they're all screaming and there's like only like 200 people in the world that listen to each genre. <laughs> like when, like that's what it feels like at least when like people are like playing down other people's uh, knowledge or whatever. But I, I definitely, uh, there, there is, there is a thing, there's a something to be said for how, how like deeply people connect with the music that, that they, that, that is emo or whatever that, uh, people uh yeah there's uh it's not ignoring like the aspects of life that are painful but uh i don't know even like stylistically um what would define emo anymore because to me like the most emo band would be nirvana <laughs> i hate myself and i want to die he literally like all of these songs are he's like is like teen angst driven like uh but I mean, people don't consider that emo. Although a lot of the bands afterwards, like Sunny Day Real Estate and stuff, that that are sort of mildly equated with that, were were. But I don't know when that tag even. Uh, when I don't know how to categorize it. When but, you're, uh, but when you're hanging out with other bands, if you're hanging out with the Hotelier, or you're hanging out with other bands that you've toured with. Do you guys talk about it? Do you say like, "Yeah, fucking a"? Washed up emo tweeted about us. Now everyone thinks we're emo. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did. We actually uh, did talk about it with Hotelier at one point. I talked with uh, Christian, and, and I feel like they're they're more openly uh, they they more openly like I identify as as an emo band, and and I feel that I I mean it it feels more understandable with them. We we have like a sort of we like cross genre jump sometimes like some songs seem like like uh this is an emo like it's too uh happy and optimistic or something i don't know emo but, is uh, not sad by the way just to let you know it's not always okay yeah it's not always sad <laughs> but no i know but you know i definitely agree i think you're like i hear so many different things when i listen to your records um and even in the same song which i think is why i think you guys are having some success because because of that where a kid's picking out those little pieces of it and it doesn't sound like i always had a hard time with punk bands like it just it was i loved it like i love a lot of punk bands but if after a certain amount there's nothing different verse chorus verse chorus times two end you know and to have different things in the music is really helpful and i think that's what 
you guys do. But I also think that happens in emo. There's so many different bands to pull from, and you guys are doing that. But what what, what was that conversation you had with Christian? Ah, oh, man, I'm trying to remember what exactly we were talking about. But but I know that he because he's he, he's he's really into like uh, hat and jazz and uh, a lot of uh, like sort more uh, like post rocky sort of emo stuff too. Um, I remember, like, he, he had me listen to, uh, actually, I don't even know if it would be e- e- emo technically, but but it was, uh, oh, man, it was the same thing as the Color Revolt record, the name of the band. <laughs> I'm forgetting it now. Oh, um, but, uh, I don't remember. Uh, it was, uh, um, I'm, I'm forgetting, but, but he, they, he, he, he was, more, they're, they're more knowledgeable of, like, they, they had, like, really gotten into that, like, specifically as a genre and uh like knew a ton of like the smaller bands that were like like uh yeah that i i hadn't even known and stuff and he gave me a list of bands to listen to and stuff it was it was really awesome this cool but stuff because that- there's they, i mean the all those bands put so much into their like music and songwriting and i i i, I appreciate like like people who make their craft like their entire life <laughs> and and there's so much of of themselves put into that that it's uh I mean, it's it's more, uh, and 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 I also appreciate like being uh, challenged by uh, by me that I listen to and stuff, and it for sure it has that challenge where it's not exactly, not exactly what actually this is more or less what we were talking about with <laughs> Hotelier was about being like challenged by the music, like 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 not having the band deliver exactly what what you want at first and and then you have to sort of like learn to appreciate it because because they've like pushed you into something like if it's like a if it's like a vocal take that you would have think they they would retract or whatever like that sounds kind of weird as voice cracks and whatnot or, or if it was just like a part that was uh like a more like a dissonant part or whatever i feel like that that aspect of it and how you can feel that it's tied to tied to the people like who wrote it personally and stuff. I feel like, uh, it allows you to connect with it in a way that it's harder to do with, uh, like pop music and more accessible music. Probably it has something to do. I've, I've read a bunch about like, uh, about like, uh, slow state stuff recently and about how like the way that people enjoy things is that they're like, they need a challenge that they can, that like pushes their abilities, but that they can, they can accomplish or whatever. And I feel like when like music does that to you, then it almost induces that sort of like flow state where it's like, uh, it's like, damn, I never even thought about music this way. <laughs> yeah. And it opens, I mean, it's brand new did that with a lot of their records too. Yeah. And, and it's exciting. Like it, yeah. Like but, brand new. Every time a record came out, it was like, uh, I don't know if I like this as much as I like the last one. And then, like a few months later, you're like, "Damn, this is the best record!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I never even the Daisy was was like that. Especially for me, I was like, I was like a like the songwriting didn't seem as accessible or whatever. I don't know. I don't even know if accessible is the right word, but it didn't seem as like the traveling God had these big like it's really quiet and then it gets really big and it's like sort of universally like 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 cool and makes you pumped up or whatever and then like the daisy sort of withheld that a little bit but then it was like like the noise shit was just like so high energy that it just was a uh, i don't know each thing like it like you you're uh at first you're like you don't get what you want to hear and you're challenged and then you're you're uh but that like reward that you feel when you like finally are like damn <laughs> This is a, uh, this is actually really cool, and I would have never thought to do this. Is like a, is a cool, is is a more rewarding feeling than just hearing something that is like ear candy. Yeah, and also too, it's great that you know you were learning from Christian. He was offering you something that you didn't know, and you were open to it. And I think that's yeah. that that's a big thing. But also, it was funny that when I first started listening to the revival bands, I thought everybody was listening to Sunday Real Estate. That that was my naive thought. I'm like, well, they all sound like the 90s. 
And then when I started yeah. talking to them, like I talked to if it was the guys from Modern Baseball or other ones or even Christian, certain ones didn't know certain bands. And I loved that because they were making this on their own, but it had the same aesthetic and the same feeling as if they had listened to Sunny Day Real Estate, but they actually never did. So that was almost more yeah. beautiful to me that they did it naturally, and that to me was why I connected with it so much because it, it came from that natural place. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I think that there was like there was people all over the place that that still the person of those bands, and they and they made bands that were like local and didn't really like break into uh, like a, a nationwide attention. Or, or or whatnot, but but like they it, it, it influenced other like uh, people locally to to make stuff as well. Definitely, so like like uh, yeah, like a, a lot of the bands that I I feel like I are my like the biggest influence are just bands that played at a uh, Swayze's in Marietta, Georgia. Like while I was in high school and stuff, and went to shows, and and like I don't know if anyone like outside of georgia would would know who any of those bands were but they were uh yeah but you were learning and <laughs> it, I think it, it those, was kept alive yeah but those early bands for you taught you oh this is how this goes or this is what this is going on it wasn't you know i let me figure out how to gain my twitter followers it was this is how yeah. you put together music this is how you connect this is how you treat people those those kind of things and i think that goes to your sort of diy route like you know you guys didn't really have a label for a while and that's sometimes bands like first thought and you guys did that stuff on yeah. your own what was that thought process behind that and and why that was comfortable for you um i mean we we i think for one we just didn't have the opportunity to have we had we didn't know any we didn't know how to get the attention of a label and stuff and we just wanted to make music and just wanted to tour and and do it and stuff and we 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 had a network of friends from from bands around like the southeast and stuff that 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 was extensive enough to be able to just like hit people up and be like hey we'll come play a show in Knoxville or Cleveland Tennessee with you or Nashville or Lakeland, Florida, or whatnot, and then maybe someone can come play a show over here, or whatever. And you sort of just like help each other get shows and stuff. It was really, it was just like the only, the only way we knew how to do it. We didn't know. I mean, I don't know if people still like make press kits and send them in and stuff. I don't even. I feel like labels reach out to you if they're if they're looking for something. We also got lucky that we met uh, Travis Hill, who who is, is playing in the band now, but because he. Uh, he recorded Soval and and he uh, he had a lot of he, I mean he has like an, a full studio that and he he didn't charge as much to record it and stuff so I mean if we would have had to pay what what you would actually I, I mean I think we paid like four thousand dollars or something so we each saved up a thousand dollars and uh, paid him to record and stuff but we just like there was a network of friends in Atlanta that uh that there was people that recorded and whatnot and people from other places outside of Atlanta too that could help us get shows and stuff. And that was just, uh, didn't know, didn't know how else to, <laughs> yeah, how to book a show or put out a record or whatever, aside from using the resources at hand. How, how's the SEO going for the band? SEO? Yeah. SEO. When you type microwave into the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even tried that for a while. I have a computer right here though. <laughs> Probably not very, very. Well. Did but you guys? Like you guys Google didn't think now, of that at all. Yeah, no, because if you type microwave, band will pop up when you it, as the autocomplete. Oh man, not even on mine. Damn. I feel like it, it, yours. I feel like it starts to like know you as a. Oh as totally. Like a it's got me person packed. on the internet, and then it, it caters <laughs> things to your. <laughs> Trust me, it's got me pegged. <laughs> mine, mine says microwave. Lowe's, Best Buy, Target, Home Depot. I love that you're but, in microwave. You just searched microwave, and you can't get your band. I don't. I never Google microwave. <laughs> <laughs> I, it'll probably. I'm, I'm sure if I go on YouTube, it'll uh, it'll pop. You know what's funny it'll, about YouTube? If I type in microwave, it'll do something. I went to your YouTube channel, and you have a oh, bunch yeah. of liked videos. 
<laughs> and one of them was like the Braves winning the World Series. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> it was like, really? Yeah, there's like someone liked a video as like the Braves. Uh, I forget what year it was. Um, but yeah, it was just funny. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, from Atlanta. <laughs> you know, I think we liked videos because we were getting sound clips to put in like a loop pedal to play between songs. So I think he was getting like the Braves have won the World Series. That was it. <laughs> like, for his we had a few that were great. There, there was like a hot dog eating contest too. Yeah, they, that, that's very smart of you. <laughs> <laughs> it actually didn't come. It, it didn't come out of the uh, pedal very well, though. I feel like you needed bi into the uh, PA system to oh, have it yeah. work well. If it comes out of your guitar amp, it sounds like a muffled. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> yelling or something. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the, you know, how has it been um, on the label side? Um, side one is, is are they still active? What's going on? What are you guys, are you guys by yourself? What's the deal? Yeah. My understanding is that they are going to be a catalog label now, and they're just going to sell, sell the records that they have in their catalog. And that, uh, and they were they were at one point they were going to hold on to us and Roswell Kid and maybe one or two others. I think Pup was already out of their contract and Jeff Rosenstock and stuff. I think they had already fulfilled whatever. But there was a few of us and they it, 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 it's gone back and forth a few times. But but at right as of right now they they said that they're they're going to let us out of the contract. So we're gonna um we're gonna self release like two songs in the fall and then we have we have a few labels that, that we've we've talked to about doing the next album that's exciting and also too i mean for them to it's not like they went away which is sometimes that totally happens where you know any you got to worry about all the streaming stuff now but for them to um to be able to do that and stick around and then let you guys out is pretty cool yeah yeah it, it was really cool and we appreciated it because but they for sure could also try to like sell our contract and stuff, which, which would make us trying to negotiate terms with a new label a little bit harder because they're sort of like, it's like, yeah, well, we already have to pay money to buy you out of your contract, so we're not going to give you as good of a deal. Like, we, we, we wouldn't have had as much of, like, a bargaining position or whatever because it's, yeah. I don't even know how much money it would cost to buy out a contract, but I'm sure it's, it's a, would be a setback. Yeah, no. You, yeah, you want as much option for that. So yeah, no, I think that's great. So the you know, there I guess the, I mean I talked back again about sort of the, you know, there's so much stuff in in the lyrics uh in the music about, you know, dealing with leaving uh, the church and being able to kind of go out on your own and the the things that have happened since then with family and that's been documented um it, what's you know sort of like thoughts now for the next set of tunes and the in the next music and what are what are some things that have been floating around your head or what what things have been written so far that is there any themes or things that have come out i think it's just gotten increasingly more uh nihilistic and and i i think more so i I was saying earlier that i uh that i i i when, when me and tito started a band we I was literally like, uh, we should make a band that's like here before the March of Flames. We, we, we love like, like really dark, <laughs> dark, moody, heavy stuff. Like I feel the same way with like neurosis and, uh, and, and other bands and stuff. But, uh, but we, uh, it's, it's definitely a lot darker, the stuff that we're, we're doing now. And a lot, there's a lot more like no, noise and chaotic stuff. It'll be like that sort of, uh, but I, yeah, I've, I've uh, I, I've, I was afraid, especially, uh, especially after we did the split and stuff, where it was it was really sort of uh, we had a lot of press that was like it was outspokenly about me, me uh, leaving the church and stuff. I, I was afraid of being uh, like that band that talks about leaving the church all the time. It's a yeah. guy. I didn't want to be like a one-trick pony kind of thing. But I actually I don't know why I was so worried about that because. I don't think it was as big of an issue as I perceived, but, uh, but I, I think, uh, yeah, the, those, especially Stovall and, and into much love and stuff. It was like the first time I did so many, like I was, 
I, I mean, when we put out Stovall, I still hadn't even told my family that I, I had left the Mormon church and stuff, which is, I feel like there's like a sort of thematic things where it's like a, I'm speaking in code, like metaphorically and stuff in mm-hmm. ways that I could, if I was asked about the songs sort of like by, by like my, my family and stuff, like deny that it was about me personally or whatever. And I, 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 I regret that now because I feel like I was just being a coward or whatnot, but, uh, <laughs> it was just a weird, it was a weird time to like leave the, leave the church while being in this band and stuff and being sort of like, Oh, well maybe I don't want to leave the church. Yet, so I don't want to like say anything that like is completely conclusively, uh, uh, showing that I'm I'm not uh, uh, obeying the commandments of <laughs> or like the things that you're supposed to do as a Mormon and stuff, but uh, and and now I'm just uh, completely completely over that. Obviously, I mean it's been I mean I now I've now I've been out of the church for five five years, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely in the and, past. And it, but it's weird also because th- there's something that was like inherently exciting about that time where it was like I I mean I I had sex for the first time when I was 22 and stuff like when I came out of the church and I had never really you know smoked weed a couple of times in high school but it was it was sort of like a weird anxious taboo thing and stuff and it's it sort of being diving headfirst and I dove a little bit too hard headfirst into everything for a few years and stuff and and it was bad but uh that uh that was just sort of like it's like the like Pandora's box was opened or whatever it's like there's this whole world of discovery to be had <laughs> and now I've now you you do everything all these like forever and uh there's uh you you hit this point where it's like well I've done everything now <laughs> I don't know, and it's sort of a. It, you find that there isn't anything that uh, those activities inherently have to offer. Like it seems like you can. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there there are things that you can learn from it, but uh, yeah, I guess the theme of the next album is just more nihilistic down that path. Uh, that meaning like <laughs> everything matters, but everything doesn't, and every you know you're sort of like rejecting. Still, nothing matters. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it's also sort of like uh, we like it's it's weird. We you watch a uh, you watch bands that you've been playing with all sort of like drop off and move on and everything too, and you get to this point where like uh, I don't know, it feels like you're uh, uh, still holding on, an adult child or something. Like yeah. oh man, everyone else is doing something that sustainable life that will bring them a. <laughs> I don't Comfort know, but see, you, I feel like that's the internet because sometimes I scroll Instagram and it's just like, here's my kid, here's this other thing, I went on this trip, or this is, and it's like what you're supposed to do is sort of yeah. forced into you of like, you get married, you have kids, you move to the suburbs, and that's it, and that's not it, and but I think you're you're just like, that's all you sort of see because that's what... I I reject that. <laughs> like you know, like I definitely, uh, you know. Did you just take a hit? Hmm? No. You, oh, that that would be amazing if you did. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's asking a question. I got like thirty seconds. Let's do this. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, all this mucus. It sounds like it. I don't know why I got allergies or something. <laughs> but but, but like, yeah, no. I, you I know what I mean. I, I don't want to have kids, and I have no thought of. I have no thought of domesticating at all i that that like that that terrifies me more than like it just feels like you're consigning yourself to death you like you have kids and you have to live for someone else and that's selfless and and i i uh respect that decision and stuff but i'm like damn no there's i i like still at this point like 80 percent of my life up to this point or whatever uh doing shit that i didn't want to do going to church six days a week and not experiencing things I wanted to experience I, I definitely have not <laughs> I have not satisfied my uh, I don't know but, I couldn't imagine trying to sit in one place and stuff but also too I think you know you thinking that you're like that sort of like what do you say adult kid kind of thing 
and everyone's yeah. moving on. And I just, I, I, I'm with you on that sort of. Everyone's got their own path, and because what you see or hear or what's in all the movies is not how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, there's for sure a point. Like, I've also, like, out of the last five years, I was homeless probably, like, two and a half of the years. And I, I slept really? on friends' couches and stuff. Yeah. Why? I was, was it I, just yeah, when I, you didn't have money? Or it was just your parents were sort of not helping? Yeah, not having... There it was there was a bunch... It was, like, a string of incidents that happened. My, yeah, I had, I had the, like, a... When I'm, we're actually have, have a better relationship now, but I had sort of, like, a falling out with my parents when I was like 22 and uh, had to move out of their house and I didn't have, I slept on Tito's couch for like nine months and then I was, I've I've just sort of jumped around. I I mean, hence the whole snowball story. I I like met my girlfriend at the time and slept on her couch and then started dating her and stuff for like a couple of years. But, but, but yeah, no, I just didn't have, I mean, I was working at like Smoothie King (laughs) and making like $8 an hour and uh, had a car and could barely just pay for my car and food. So I just just kind of uh, hung out with people and slept on their couch all the time or whatever. And that was like, it was fun. And, and especially during that time when I was sort of, uh, I, I was just, I was just, I drank so much and stuff. I was like, like boss, if you sleep on people's couches, you can't just like, go over and fall asleep without hanging out with them. I feel like totally. because it's like more, it's more obvious that you're like, you feel like you're like using them just as a place to stay. So you, you go over and, you know, bring beer and drink and hang out. And then you happen to fall asleep on their couch and it's more appropriate, <laughs> whatever. But, uh, but now I feel like, I mean, I'm 27 now and I, it's uh, I mean, that's not, I don't feel like that's like, uh, super old by any means but i feel like you hit this point where if you're you, if you're still sleeping on people's couches it's kind of weird <laughs> it's like damn this guy needs to get his shit together <laughs> are you staying on a couch <laughs> which, right which now is, which is how i feel about that i guess i see friends that have i mean most of my most most of my friends who are like my age and older now have some job where they make like 40 to 60 grand or more or whatever and have has like are out of college and stuff and and like don't think about don't think about trying to get four dollar pitchers at the bar instead of a, a regular drink because <laughs> they're trying to save money and stuff anymore so i feel like from that from that regard it's like a it's i don't know but it's a trade it's a trade-off for sure because everyone's everyone's miserable <laughs> If, if you go down the other path and decide to be more stable and stuff, then you just wish that you were, were doing what I was doing. And if you're doing what I'm doing, it, you you long for some uh, stability. Yeah, it's, it's a definitely <laughs> I mean, a push-pull. Yeah. I would rather be on the side yeah, of doing something I love. Too. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm still, I mean, I'm still doing this because I've, I've determined for myself that this is the happiest that I can be <laughs> out of all the options at hand. Yeah. And then what, what, yeah. what do you want next for Mike Wave? You, you talked about sort of the, you know, the approach or the, the content for the record, but are there, are, you know, yes, you can give me the answer of we want to do our best and go on the next tour. Like, but no, for real, like, what are you like when you think about the band and think about what's next? Are there any aspirations and, and things that you guys have thought about? Um, I, I, I really, uh, a lot of what I want to do with music now is sort of like experimenting with, uh, production for like recording things and stuff. And like like uh, if you listen to the uh, Chariot, they they would do like especially in their last two or three albums, they they experimented a lot with uh, like there's just they they use like samples in the music and they use uh there's a uh, like we, they'll like re- reverse things like the like the symbols are reversed and stuff and it makes it feel like some type of way and stuff and I feel like there's 
a lot of experimentation has been done with how you how you can make something sound with like R and B and with like Pain and Paula kind of music and stuff where they they sort of pushed. I feel like there's a frontier of of exploring more of like a sonic landscape of of songwriting as opposed to like as opposed to like lyrical and, and stuff and and it, it it's exciting to me to think about like like approaching it from like a uh from that standpoint or whatnot of trying to like make something that's just uh that uh like sonically uh <laughs> i don't know take take rock music and because i feel like there, there's been this aesthetic in rock music that is and it's it for sure is like hitting and appropriate but like people like to picture a band playing the songs live and stuff and uh like how you'd see it on a stage and, and whatnot and i feel like that that is also kind of like limiting in that there's there's like new things that you can do that sort of like like a paging his machine is another good example like he he took his guitar and made noises that were just like non melodic noises that like were like a turntable and stuff and like like a barrel of monkeys and everything. And then that makes like, there's like something in the actual sonic, uh, like the, like the sound of the music that is like, Oh dang, what is that? What is that noise he's making and stuff? And, uh, I, I've exploring that sort of territory is exciting to me now, which is for sure going to be part of the next, uh, album and stuff which goes back to your thought about challenging people and having them hear something different and how did they do that what's that sound what is that like um, and i really hope i think as i think your fan base knows that that the you're going to come with something and you still know it's you guys but you're going to try something else and I, that's all i want from a band like it's great if they're going to give you the same record every time but i just think it's i would get bored yeah. Yeah, I love Ween too. And Ween for sure showed that <clears throat> you don't have to have any sort of aesthetic. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be as loosely, uh, yeah. like they're just over the top, <laughs> but like I still want there to be a, I love, uh, this might be, this might be a terrible thing to say. I don't know, but I love, uh, Kanye West too. Like his, his sort of like progression as an artist and the way that he has like influenced production with the with the style of stuff that, that he does like Jesus and and whatnot how uh like there's just like there was sounds that were done where he like in, he uses like nine inch nails and like god flesh and sins and stuff and in hip-hop music and then it's like this whole new thing where you're like it, it's like a it's like a spaceship lands on your brain you're like <laughs> you're like oh my god i have never heard anything that feels like this before this is this is insane uh, like the trying to find some something like that which which I, I i've like specifically lately been 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 really into like noise stuff more like tom Morello kind of kind of like try to find a, try to find like new noises that you can make with like a big crusher pedal and uh and uh whatnot <laughs> scraping your strings with a loop pedal yeah for a, that's fun but, uh, yeah, it's it's it is that that's like the funnest thing ever is to to get high and make ridiculous noises and you're like, uh <laughs> and ninety percent of it's fucking pure, noise, and then ten percent of it can be something, and just can ten percent of that could be a next song or the next sound. Yeah, for for sure that, that that's how it's been for this album for sure. <laughs> I'm excited, guys. Yeah, it's, it's still work in progress, but I, I mean, the, we have like four or five songs that are more or less done now. And I, I'm pretty, they're like <laughs> my, 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 uh, I can't talk favorite stuff that we've done so far for sure. Oh, that's Ho- cool. Hopefully, I mean, that's, I guess that's also part of the, part of the goal for the future is you want to have each thing you do be like your favorite thing or else it's kind of depressing or whatever. Like you want to keep finding new, new things that excite you and make you feel inspired and stuff. That's the only yeah. way. Why would you do it anyway? You you want to challenge yourself yeah. just as much as you want to challenge the fans, right? Yeah, for sure. Nice. Anything else you want to mention? Um, 
no. <laughs> Did you have fun? We're we're on Instagram, microwave ATL. I think it's microwave ATL. <laughs> and Twitter. I hope it's not microwave the band because that used to be it at one point. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. No, that's that's it. Cool. Who did who did pick the the band name? You did. Uh, our friend Tyler Finley said it while we were drunk at a party. We didn't know who said it for like a year and a half, and we had in jokes about that no one had said it, and it was. But uh, but it just kind of poofed into existence. But apparently, our friend Tyler Finley told us to. He was like, "It sounds like pavement," <laughs> which I don't think it sounds like. I don't think it feels, or it not sounds like, but feels like that kind of band name. I don't think it just feels like a, like a Lowe's a, a, a appliance section, but it is what it is now. A lot of a lot of bands, I feel like uh, there's there's something charming about having a bad band name, you know? Oh my God, Jimmy like e. World, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimmy World. Like they fucking have to explain that story all the time. <laughs> like they're probably just so over it. <laughs> but that's yeah, their if band a name. Good band name. Then it's I don't know. It's not as relatable. It's like, damn you! You think of good ideas like that band name? <laughs> You're not like me. I would think of a stupid band name. <laughs> <laughs> there should be two buckets: like stupid band names, good band names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nathan, thanks so much for doing this, man. No problem. We had a good time.